numbers are in spot rates they have fallen to what level we'll find out in a moment and florida year over year this is going to surprise you today on sales chatter welcome to the hpls podcast live relevant and high performance information conversations and education weekly everybody welcome back and today is data day we're a day late on data day yes we are we know that you know that because you're here live you're watching doesn't matter we've got dean and jeff with us today to talk a little bit about florida we're going to talk a little bit about rates dean and then i know you also want to talk a little bit about the year over year and what's happening gentlemen welcome back dean welcome back to north america buddy yeah thank you good to be back a little bit jet lagged. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get enough sleep? Not much. It was 33 hours door to door. And uh, that included a five hour delay in Los Angeles because of equipment problems yesterday morning, which is the last thing you need when you get off a 15 hour flight. <laughs> well, you were on a Boeing plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actually, you're right. It came off an Airbus 350 onto a Boeing 757. You're right. Exactly. I, I, that's one thing that when I used to do a ton of traveling that I always got so frustrated with was the delays. I, I just, no matter what you do, it's, and so I don't know about you guys. Here's what I'm facing over the last little while. And I'd love your therapeutic conversation on it for a minute, Dean, before we jump in. So more and more, I'm starting to really analyze things, things, if they're productive or not. And what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. I feel like I lost almost two years of productivity with being ill um, and then trying to get back into it and everything. So I look at everything as a productivity measurement. Like what else could I be doing that's more productive at this point in time? Like I'm talking anything from driving to the grocery store to, I mean, everything guys. And it's actually not necessarily driving me nuts, but driving me nuts because it's all I can think about. Like we were stuck in traffic this morning and all I can think about is, I could be doing something way more productive right now. When when I was telling Jeff off air, my doctors didn't put in the blood requisition. So an appointment that was supposed to be 30 minutes ended up being like two and a half hours. And the whole time, my brain is going, you know what I could be doing right now if I had my laptop? Like I could be, I could be doing things. I could be selling. I could be doing what I need to do in order to improve my life and all that. And I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm just really weird, but it's like I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, you know something? Here, here's the reality. You're not going to catch up on 724 days that you, you know, you lost. Know. Right? Two years. I'm trying, brother. So you got to let go of it and control the controllables that are right in front of you. <clears throat> Do what you can with what you have today. Right. Yesterday is yes. gone, my friend. You have to just focus in on on your priorities and what needs to be taken care and, and of that's, today. And, and I mean, not tomorrow, just yeah, not to fog this horse at all, but it's what I'm doing. Like, I know I'm not going to make it back, but it's, it's like, I, I just, I literally do not want to take, and I know it's, it's a Dan issue. I understand that. I like, I don't want to take five minutes for myself because I'm like, I got to get this done today in order to, quote unquote, be productive. And I think I'm cramming so much into my day where literally I'll be at my desk, I'll be working and I know I have to go to the bathroom and I'll wait like an hour until I'm literally like my eyeballs are floating before I like leave my desk. It's it's totally freaking crazy. So 
But seriously, Dan, take my advice, please. Sometimes you have to take time out for yourself. It's a necessity. You have to do that. So by you saying that, no, it's okay to do that. You have to break away. So you, you know, your, your train of thought gets more focused in because if you're entrenched in what you're doing and what's in front of you and you can't break away, you get overwhelmed very, very quickly because you start thinking of the what is and everything and how fast can I get it done and complete it so I can move on to the next one, back away, walk away from it, clear your head, then get back. That's good advice. And all of that led to this question, Dean. Did you get internet on the plane for those 33-something hours that you were up in the air? No. No, where they gave us an announcement leaving Sydney that we don't have Wi-Fi on the A350. On the way over, we had Wi-Fi the entire passage across the Pacific Ocean, which I was really surprised at, but nothing on the way back. And did you utilize it on the way over? Um, I did a little bit as far as Hawaii, then I got tired. And then fell asleep. So. Yeah, well, I mean, Hawaii is what, like six hours from LA? Yep. Like, yeah, it's, yep. it's a big, it's a long yeah. flight to get to Hawaii, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's even longer going to <laughs> yeah, Australia. Yeah. So, Dino, why don't we start from the top? Um, so, yeah. let's talk about January numbers. Um, yeah. The surprise that you, you've got for us for January numbers. Yeah, like really amazing data came in from the IHS market peers data set that got certified a little bit later than usual. It got certified over the weekend, but January imports came in, was the fastest growth rate between December and January in like seven years. Volumes came in 5% higher in in January versus December. Really, really surprising. But when you take out 2020 and 2021, which are kind of those crazy pandemic years, January's data was the highest going back to 2017, like just extraordinarily high numbers. It pushed the numbers up to about 8.5% higher than January last year. So really high volumes at almost 2.3, uh, 2.28, so almost 2.3 million TEU, 20-foot equivalent units. Um, Do you know why? A uh, couple of theories why. Um, there was a, a push to get inventory in ahead of Chinese New Year. That makes sense, yep. Uh, a push to get sense. inventory in because there'd been a more significant uh, restocking or destocking last year. So maybe that was part of it. Um, so, But I think we had Paul Brashear on our show um, yesterday from ITS um, uh, Logistics in Reno. He's head of their dry engineer model division, and he uh, thought it was was exactly that. So I'd, I'd trust his judgment on that more than anything. Um, volume, what he did talk about, and this was borne out in the data, was that West Coast imports continue to grow uh, at the expense of East Coast. So there's still that shift going on. Uh, West Coast volumes are up 18.2% year over year. East Coast up only 1.2% year over year. Um, Los Angeles, the largest port in the country, number one port volumes are up 23% in January compared to December. New York, number two port, only up 1.2% in January compared to December. So there is more volume. Um, he put it down to two things that we've talked about on the show extensively. Uh, one was the potential labour disruptions on the East Coast where the ILA labour agreement is due in September. Shippers, uh, He said shippers were reluctant to leave themselves compromised by more supply chain disruptions. And the other point he made... Um, was, of course, the one we've talked about, which was the virtual shutting down of the Suez Canal. Um, 
and that he said is he he quoted and I'll quote him. He said about twenty five percent of the freight that used to go to the U.S. East Coast via the Suez Canal um, potentially could go to the West Coast. Mm. So yeah. um, that they were the two things that are forcing volumes up there. Well, he did mention another thing, and we've talked about it on the show, and that is the electric electric vehicle mandates that are going to come in and start to hit capacity pretty hard. He expects, he expects drage capacity to tighten significantly in California because of all of the sorts of... Um, uh, regs. Yeah, regs that are coming in over that. You know, the hours of service regs. You've got local people have to have ELDs now. There's all sorts of impacts on the local guys. So you can expect some drage issues on the west coast. Um, just looking at the data more broadly um, nationally, furniture still the number one import. Plus, no change. Uh, furniture was 12.3 percent. Uh, Northeast Asia, which is principally China. Uh, volumes accounted for 58% of the imports. Uh, volumes are up 17% year over year out of Northeast Asia, out of Southeast Asia, which, of course, is more, um, you know, Taiwan, probably not Taiwan, but maybe what would be the big ones down there, Southeast Asia. If I quickly click on that, I'm going to... What, the ones in the back rim, right? Yeah, probably the ones that are going to come more via the Suez Canal. Um, those volumes are up. 8% year over year. So we've certainly seen an increase in volume out of Northeast Asia, which is more your Ningbo, um, Shanghai ports, where I think it, I mean, just over half of our volumes come in over the course of each year. So they're sort of the big stories. It's really a continuation of what we saw in December, which was this increase in volumes to the West Coast and um, decreasing volumes on the East Coast. I'd quickly should quickly look at the Gulf Coast while we're here. Gulf Coast volumes are up 5.9% um, compared to this time last year. So that's that's kind of interesting. But the West Coast is certainly um, pulling back a lot of its market share. Uh, just on the Suez Canal, I did read a good article in the Journal of Commerce today, and um, uh, uh, Peter Turschel said that the impact... The impact of the Suez Canal closure will be will turn out to be not nearly as significant as some are making out, largely because of not because of the extra distance in sailing that's absorbed about six percent of capacity, but because the market is still oversupplied. So the overcapacity in the shipping market will be the thing that drives rates down throughout this year on the ocean side, not the Suez Canal because it was already oversupplied and we're about to see a large order book of vessel builds start to come online. So more ships are being built. So um, the head of Maersk said that they expect the rebalancing of supply and demand to not really happen until, or equilibrium not to happen until 2028 in the ocean shipping space. I find that very interesting, uh, Dean, because I've been reading a lot of uh, articles and you probably have too about depleting inventory in warehouses. They're trying to draw down. And and with all this influx of increases that you're talking about, we figured that's going to increase the volume in these warehouses. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what the heck's going yeah. on? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. And where are they putting this inventory yeah. if they're drawing well, down? Well, and here's another thought, and only because I know what's coming up next. How does this increase mm -hmm. in volume match the data of the next topic, which is rates are lower, the lowest since 2019. Like to me, if there's more mm. volume coming in. We've lost more carriers than there, there were. 
um, should that not, and I'm sorry, I just gave away, I just realized I just gave away the second team. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm like, sometimes you can't tell me what's happening on the show before or else I'll give it away. I'm like, those guys, you don't want to go, you don't want me to see a movie before you. Um, so to me, I look at that and I say, okay, so volumes are up. I mean, when you're talking the equivalent of TEU units, that's a shit ton of volume. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of volume. But rates are going the up. I mean, obviously barring what you were talking about when it comes to like local drayage markets or that kind of stuff. But rates seem to be doing the exact opposite of what would typically be um, a volume. Like it, what would typically follow volume, I guess, is I'm trying to get the words yep. out. So volume up, carriers going out of the market down. Yeah. You figure that rates would start capacity rising. Capacity would yet. tighten. The opposite. Yeah, not yet. Right. We've still got an excess of capacity, though, in the truckload market, Dan. Remember, um, inter international imports account for about 10% of truckload demand. So it doesn't it doesn't move the needle nationally, but it does import markets where the volume yeah. surges in, right? So mm. it's not until that volume surges and exceeds the, the, the capacity of the contract freight market spilling into the spot market that you really start oh to see boy. some volatility. So when, when you talk right, so. about 90% of the stuff, 90% of the stuff that's hauled in a truck has touched a ship. Is it, are you, are we talking about components of what's being hauled? So like, for example, you assemble washers and dryers in North America, yep. but all the pieces yep. come from overseas. So the, the, the pieces of what's assembled that we haul in trucks, 90% of those have touched an ocean ship, correct? Yeah, Okay. correct, okay. correct. Because most of, your man, most of your truckload demand is going to come from industrial production and manufacturing here in the homeland, which could include parts and components from overseas. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Because so what, if you look at iPhone, what, for example, it's, it's like 16 different countries on or right. 16 different locations on five continents that actually create one iPhone. So I, see, I, I get what you're yeah. saying there. Yeah, okay. But, but just like the ocean market, we're still seeing an excess of capacity in the truckload market gravitate towards where demand is. And Bill Cassidy in the Journal of Commerce is going to come out this week with an article that talks about his truckload carrier index which is the now we've had all the Q4 2023 earnings calls with the large truckload carriers. We now know how many trucks they were reporting on the road at the end of the quarter. Bill's got this index built around the number of trucks the large TLs report back to 2006. And it comes in at last, I don't know if you remember, but last we talked about this on the show last time, it was about 82% um, of the index that started in 06. It's coming at just under 81% this time. So um, it's the lowest reading in this index since the start of 2018. So what that means is the industry has um, the capacity of the large truckload carriers continues to nosedive, like the nosedives relative to where they were at the peak of the pandemic. But large truckload carriers are still shedding capacity they're still slow rolling driver hiring. They're not putting as many trucks on the road. They're trying to get, so if you think where do, where are the number of trucks on the road now? Um, last, when we reported this at the end of September, it was equal to Q2 in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. That's how many, it's sort of truckload, how many trucks are on the road. It's now got even less. It's gone back to where it was at the start of 2018. Mm. Okay. And and so when you look at when you compare that to Jason Miller's truckload ton mile index, 
the latest November reading, and I think he'll have December's reading out this week, the November reading has truckload demand at about just above 2018 and 2019 levels. Okay. So if you think about where yeah, he didn't see anything. Yeah, he didn't see anything. I read something this morning to your point, Dean, uh, where Jason said he doesn't see he's he's like pessimistic. He doesn't see anything turning where people say that it is going to start right. turning. Right. So that's why that's yeah. why you've seen the large truckload carriers moderate, you know, their capacity levels because they don't see a demand inflection until probably later in the year. So they're continuing to slow roll any additional capacity or hiring of drivers to meet that demand. We're certainly seeing that in the spotlight market. Spot market, mm-hmm. you know, this capacity is still exiting, albeit at a slower rate. So, Dan, the, the, irrespective of demand, we're still seeing capacity levels exit the industry, right, to a level that's more closely aligned with where demand is. But demand is still trying to settle, yes. find a new home yeah. also. Yeah, the new normal, I guess, is, is what we're, yeah. we're talking about. So imports was a good news story but still didn't move the national needle, just like produce season starting in Florida is great for produce carriers in the southeast, but at spot rates nationally still dropped. Yes. So, and let's talk right about Florida now. year over year, Dean. There's some pretty surprising yeah, numbers yeah. you're going to share with us here. Yeah, the produce volumes out of Florida. So if you look at the top five states for truckload volumes last week, uh, Washington State, 25,000. Arizona, the winter salad bowl, Yuma, 13,000. Uh, Idaho, 12,000. Florida, 9,000. And wait for it, California, 8,000 truckloads last week. So normally our biggest state in the summer, California, is now number five. Um, it's even been surpassed by the volume of truckloads coming out of Florida. So it gives put into perspective how important it is but um, when you put all those together, it still didn't do much to move the national rate needle because produce volumes are still about, um, we're looking here, about 13% lower year over year in total. But out of Florida, I think they were about 38% lower. Let me just double check on that. 31% lower than this time last year. 31% so even though lower. And didn't Florida last year have that storm come through that ruined a ton of crops? They did. they did. And they're still yes. 31% lower this year than last year. What do they yeah, equate 9, that to? Uh, good question. I don't know, Dan. I'd have to dig into the data to see why. If I click on Florida, I'm going to see uh, tomatoes. So tomato crops down 36%, strawberries down 35%, cabbage up 13 peppers and bells down 27. So it's kind of down across the board with the exception of cabbage, which is a smaller volume component. Tomatoes are the big one, Dan. If you said, what's the volume? Why is the volume down? It's tomatoes mostly. But that could also be because tomato volumes coming across the southern border in Mexico are starting to increase. When I, If I go to there, I can tell you that we're heading into the Mexico season. And if I click on where the biggest volume comes from, and I think it's Tumulipus, uh, tomato volumes are up 1% year over year there. And Sonora, which is the second one, volumes are flat also. So you know, I can't exactly answer that question why they're down in California. I'd have to do some more research. I'm not up on that market just yet. Right. So produce season is starting, but I, I think the biggest story here is um, the impact of the floods in uh, California because California is sort of the the big producer of volumes. You remember last year we talked about floods this time mm-hmm. and damaged the early plantings of the summer crop and some of the winter crops. 
it looks like almost a repeat of that this year. Uh, California is going to be what determines this market's direction. But um, and, and farmers are still waiting to get in on crops for field access. They've got to wait for the ground to dry out to affect the to, to see what the damage is. But if I look at the USDA data, number of truckloads um, last week compared to this time last year, 84% fewer loads came out of California last week than they did the same time last year. That's a lot. But I think part of that's going to be lack of, lack of reporting. So there'll be a reporting lag. So I want to see how this evens out next week, but I do. You can infer from that there was not a lot of stuff shipped because of the rains, and, and they still yeah, shipped eight thousand truckloads last week of produce, and they're eighty four percent down. Like right. to me, that right. that number says it all as to what's yeah. going on. Hence the reason capacity is not tightening specifically in in refrigerated or people that would use reefers right. to run dry freight, yeah. right? Because they're doing yeah. that as well. So there's there's a, like a huge 360 degree view here that we're starting to get, which is very interesting. Yeah. So I think, Dan, you're certainly down on volumes of produce, and it's going to be a big contributor to the spot market because a lot of produce moves on spot because of its time sensitive nature and the timing of the harvest cycles and just the lead time you get. You don't get a lot of lead time on produce when mm -hmm. it's got to move. And if the produce isn't so moving, those guys are getting dry free. What's that, Jeff? I think we're going to see some rates on produce yeah. go up. Yeah, so, so eighty-four percent. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge number. You know, they're going to have to make it up on the backside somehow. Well, we're going to pay for it at the grocery store. Is well, yeah, the, price, the prices will go up for growers, which is great for them, but not less volume. Happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think happens, I, I think the point to keep in here. This is going to emerge over the course of this year. I think some of the and I think most of the capacity that's exiting is in dry van power only. I think a lot of the produce haulers, the specialised produce haulers with new reefer motors and new equipment that are have the right levels of cargo insurance, I think that market's much more stable. I don't expect the rate volatility to see in reefer that we'll see in, in dry van and, and even to a lesser extent, less impact in flatbed because of the specialised nature of those two equipment types versus dry van. So, but I think if you think about California specifically and Jeff's comment about rates, it's a really specialised part of the country to be hauling produce. You've got to have pretty good equipment, good drivers, good mile makers and the latest equipment that costs a lot of money. You know, you, you've got to be pretty experienced at running a truck fleet to haul produce consistently and do it well. Mm. So I think that's less susceptible to yeah. the fly-by-nighters that came in probably during the pandemic and... Uh, added a bit of extra capacity. Makes sense. So that's the, that's the sort of the, the net of it, Dan, is that rates dropped this week. Um, they dropped about five cents a mile. Let me just quickly check in Reefa. National average dropped five cents a mile to um, $1.67 in van, dropped six cents a mile. So they're sitting at about $2 a mile, excluding fuel. Um, that's about seven cents a mile lower than this time last year. Flatbed down two cents for the first time since September uh, at $1.99. And uh, contract rates are still uh, decreasing um, and at a faster rate in the last two weeks compared to the prior two weeks. So we're still in single-digit territory in terms of carriers lowering their rates for contract loads. And, of course, that's the 
that's the longer term play that we're watching for for everybody because that's the majority of freight that gets hauled in the market or on these contract rates. They're still dropping. Mm. Um, they were flattening out and getting closer to you know one or two percent down. Remember, for most of last year, they were double digit rate decreases. They slowed to single digit rate decreases in the three to five percent down range. They're now up to nine percent. So. It wouldn't surprise me to see us head back into double-digit rate decrease territory for incumbent truckload carriers uh, in the next couple of yeah, weeks. That's already bringing it into desperate levels if we start to talking about double-digit decreases. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so shippers still have pricing power. There's no question about that. That seems to be pretty obvious. And if you think about the truckload capacity index, it's still decreasing capacity still trying to modulate itself relative to where demand levels are everybody's still trying to find out where the bottom of the market is um, you know for both rates and uh, where demand is sort of going to reach that inflection point where it starts to material increase but certainly that's been going on a while now not this, not this <laughs> side of you know the halfway point in this year as it as it's panning out 